Today's scripture reading can be found in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples, the human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts, and be killed, and then after three days rise from the dead. He said this plainly, but Peter took hold of Jesus and, scolding him, began to correct him. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, then sternly corrected Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But who all lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them? Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Veronica, for the reading. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. This series, I'm focusing on senses. I've been thinking about the ways that Jesus coming in incarnation, in a body like ours, meaning that means that Jesus had senses just as we do too. And what do our senses tell us when we pay attention to them that we might not get from an intellectual reading of the story held in the scripture? Mark ties everything that happens closely together. It's all told in one burst, with a lot of the different episodes in the story following immediately upon each other. That, e- that word is even used, and immediately, and immediately. So what happened right before this that we heard this morning? What happened right before this is Jesus and the disciples encountered a blind man. And Jesus took the opportunity to demonstrate something about the power of connection and interaction with this blind man. Jesus used his hands, and really only his hands, to touch in a loving way. And by so doing, made something 
visible that had not been visible before. I think this gentle healing touch that has the power to transform and reveal says something about who we are in this world that is not about our body's frailties or capabilities or lack of capability, but about how beloved we are. Jesus touches with a loving and a healing touch that has the power to reveal how everyone matters. Because God used God's creative force to make everything that is. All parts of creation. The plants and the animals and the oceans and the lands and us and our bodies too. In their impermanence. In their strangeness in their abilities and disabilities, capacities and incapacities. And God called it all good. Healings proclaim that creation matters. In total, in the big picture, and also in particular, in one person's life. Creation matters. So what came just before this text was a healing. I wanted to bring that up in particular because when we were having discussion groups in the season of Advent this year and talking about our readings in the book, we had an opportunity to exchange stories about times when we witnessed that God is real and God's power and grace was present in our community. You know, some people told stories about things that had happened long ago, and some people told things that had happened intimately or recently. And one of the stories that was shared was about the power of healing touch during the pandemic. In fact, many of us did experience a kind of affliction that was in addition to the illness that we were trying to avoid through covid it was an affliction called skin hunger. Our separation from each other meant to protect our health created a different kind of disease, which is that some many of us didn't get to touch anyone for a long time. And there's a lot in our society and the way that we learn and teach in our culture that would suggest that that's not that important. That something like skin hunger is a small price to pay for what we had to do during that time. And maybe that's so, but I think it's more important than we'd like to believe that it is. I think healings show that creation matters. That our senses, that our bodies are beloved and important. They're part of the good news. So what happens in the scripture after the healing? I noticed that while Jesus' hands were laid in a loving and a gentle way on the eyes of the blind man that they encounter, 
There's a real contrast between the way Jesus used his hands and the way Peter used his. It's just a little bit of the text. Sometimes it says, Peter took him aside. That's how it's said in some translations. Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Okay, what are you picturing when you read that Peter took him aside and rebuked him? Yeah, grabbed him by the collar and told him off. Right? If we were talking about an adult-child relationship, there may have been a spanking involved. But these are colleagues, so maybe not that. What a contrast between these two things. If we hold them together, what a contrast between the way that Jesus gives touch and the way that Peter grabs hold. The way that Jesus gives healing touch and the way that Peter grabs hold. It's a natural reaction. Jesus has said something that's really upsetting. That he, one who is beloved, one who is the source of so much insight and growth, one who has been with them in this public ministry for such a short time and who has already become so beloved, so essential, is going to be hurt. Who among us hearing that someone we love is going into the pathway of danger and abuse would not want to grab hold and protect them, even with our own bodies, prevent them from wandering into that space of threat. It's a natural response. But what Jesus says in response to Peter's action of grabbing hold is firm. You are focusing on human things. I am focusing on godly things. If what you get out of our relationship is how important I am to you, then you've missed most of the message. You've mistaken the medium for the message. Jesus is going to encounter loss and hardship and harm. Jesus is human. None of us gets out of this thing alive, right? Jesus is going to stumble. Jesus is going to be rejected. But where Jesus is limited, Christ is not. And the power of recognizing that there is something bigger, something eternal, something unlimited, which is going on within the life of this fragile and limited person. Now that is so important. Jesus in his lifetime could touch with healing hands only a handful of people. It was such a short term of ministry. I've already lapped him a couple of times, right? And he could only touch with healing hands a handful of people. Whereas Christ liberates everybody. Everyone who has ever been and everyone who shall be. If you miss that part of what's going on, you miss 
a lot. Jesus doesn't want his beloved, his close friends, to miss it. Don't miss the message because of the medium. Don't grab hold of Jesus instead of taking hold of the message of Christ. Don't grab hold of Jesus instead of taking hold of the message of Christ. Jesus is speaking plainly to the people, and here I'm going to get into a little bit of theology. Jesus is speaking plainly to them and goes on to say all of these things about giving up your life to gain it, or trying to keep your life and losing it. It sounds quite harsh to my ear. But I think about what Jesus is trying to say, and I think it is so beautiful. We ought to continue to try to speak about it plainly to each other. We ought to try to cradle it in our lifetimes, in our hearts. Jesus is saying, look, I'm like you. I'm in a fragile body. I am not going to get out of this thing alive. I'm going to say things that will upset people and they will reject me. My mission is not to avoid this. My mission is to live into it. My mission is not to avoid it, it's to live into it. Because people are like this. And God's love is like this. God's love recognizes that it is our natural impulse to try to seize to ourselves the medium and miss the bigger message, to try to hold on to a memento of a single moment or a single person and miss that that moment and that person is part of something that is constant and eternal and a part of everything that is, including you and me. Jesus is saying, look, people are like this. When you bring them love, when you bring them liberation, they will be afraid. They will reject you. They will say to you with their words and actions, how do you like me now? Oh yeah, you think I'm supremely good? Let me show you this. Let me treat you like this. How do you like me now? God loves us like that. Though we are like that, God loves us and will keep loving us through the pain, through the suffering, through the cross, through the death, all the way through to the resurrection. Coming back again and again for more. God's love is like this. People will harm and God will love. And this is the good news. That God's love is persistent. God's love is present. We can't receive this kind of good news without looking at the cross. Without acknowledging that this message, that this redemption showed up in a fragile human life. And our response was to extinguish it.
We can't appreciate how much love is, makes sacrifice possible, makes pain possible and powerful unless we accept that Jesus wanted love just as any of us do. Maybe Jesus wanted to be held by Peter as any of us would. But there was something even better that Jesus could see, that Jesus was embracing with everything in his life, including that moment. We can't receive the good news of eternal love without the cross. It's because our lives are short and our strength is limited that it is all the more meaningful that God demonstrates the impact of a single life. It's so powerful that God showed up in the form of incarnation, not as new news, but as good news. God showed something that was part of the eternal truth of love and had always been and shall always be, but made it present in a time and a place, in flesh, in a single life, as a demonstration to show us this is how it is. And this is how you are. We can grab Jesus by the collar. We can try to hold this one life, this one set of memories. But through the incarnation, God is inviting us to cling to something else. That you too are a body, and you too are a spirit, and you too can testify with everything that has made you, and all that you are, and all that you shall be, to something that is so much bigger. It matters. It matters. Creation matters in total and in particular. You matter in total and in particular. And what you touch is changed by your touch, by the love you show. There is impact in a single life. And so we are called by this good news not to try to hold to ourselves what we have already gained, but to offer something to offer something of our material lives. Not just our good wishes, but our hands and feet. Our healing, our persistence, our love. We are called to offer something that costs us something. That uses up some of the stardust of which we are made that enters back into the world something that has been received by us as a gift and testifies to something that is so much bigger than one moment, than one time, than one body. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about Jesus, when we're talking about Christ. That's what we're looking at when we turn to each other and pass the peace. That is what we are asking God to lead us into again in the season of Lent.
That is what we are praying to be.